0: Welcome back to our reading of Takeout. We last left our narrator in a bit of a bloodbath, and now all that is left to do is go home and eat. Chapter 10. Our story ends.
1: I rose slowly from the heinous scene, All the aches and pains I had endured were throbbing like a wildfire, the hardest earned dollar of my life. It was a sour victory, with the murders and all that, but it was all so worth it. Limping, and with a smile ear to half-ear, I kept my chest high as I stepped out of that nightmare. My car was still where I left it, although at this point, I was quite prepared to walk. I eased into the seat, working around my injuries. Teddy started without trouble, and I drove off, laughing quietly to myself. Watching the estate shrink away in my rearview mirror felt like heaven, and my laughter got much louder. The relief I felt was palpable, a welcomed appetizer for the glory ahead. My Chinese takeout was so close. The sun was out which had me looking to my clock. Time was skipping and counting backwards, and not even following time's measurements. 12.32 counted down to 3.99 and then jumped to 7.333, which counted down to all zeros. I didn't expect there to be a pattern, so I just looked back to the road. Takeout was all I cared about. Driving back to town to find it wasn't how I left it, I didn't care. Most things were on fire or burnt. Most of the people I saw were walking backwards, and almost all of the cars were flipped upside down with their drivers and passengers completely unaware, acting as though everything was fine and the car was moving forward as usual. One driver even waved me on as if she would have no problem taking her turn with the wheels straight up in the air, her hair dangling under her scalp, blood rushing to her head. I passed trees with their bark, peeling off and floating away in little bits like textured pixels escaping their 3D model. I passed trash cans foaming at the lids, flapping and chasing dogs down the street. I passed a herd of skeletons dressed in winter gear rollerblading, gatherings of balls of all sizes bouncing together, stopping at traffic lights and obeying the rules of the road. Streetlights rocketing off into space while little stickmen gave them a salute from an old friend. Fields of grass retreating into the ground and then extending back into place. Birds walking single file down the sidewalk into a long line outside of an ice cream truck being run by a lion man in an apron. Mannequins shoplifting from the stores they used to work for. People without faces. Faces without people. Black and white films projected onto sides of buildings from the glowing eyes of penguins. I saw a tree running down the street, crying in fear as a large lumberjack chased after it on a blue bull, inside-out pigs wearing monocles enjoying classy tea parties with dead presidents. A sort of red version of the famous rock band The Beatles fighting a blue version of The Beatles, both armed with boxing gloves and steel spatulas. Roads were curling away from the ground. They were rolling up like rugs, picked up and carried off by giant cyclops' angels into the sky, opening up to other realms and closing behind them. Marine life swimming in the air. Sharks, jellyfish, octopuses, giant whales, and schools of miscellaneous fish all over. Deeper into town, there were samurai moving in slow motion while on fire battling the air before them. Patches of music manifesting their sound waves from nowhere altering the motions of everything around them. Every other block had its own soundtrack. I passed four giants made of smoke and rock, reading out loud from large books as they walked above the buildings. Things were changing colors in the blink of an eye. Buildings were slowly growing fur all over. The shutdown Emmett had spoken of seemed to be taking place. Rupert's work, or rather his failure, didn't matter to me. I had faith. There was still time for Chinese takeout. Parking my car outside my home, which was jiggling slightly, I saw my mailbox was spitting out a constant stream of shredded paper. I gave it a smirk as I carried on. Through the front door, I found Pete having sex with himself. He wasn't masturbating. He was hunched over before himself, making sweet love to another himself from behind. I held out the fifty. Both Peets gave me a smile and spoke in sweaty unison. "'Takeouts in the fridge,' they said. Into the kitchen I found my toaster had grown arms and was on the landline speaking Japanese to whomever was on the other end. It made a gesture when it saw me looking at it, informing me it was busy and could talk after the phone call. There was a small raccoon under the table with imposable thumbs shaking nervously and biting its nails. I opened the fridge to find my takeout was surrounded by a rather lavish and miniature-sized party. Oranges with denim jackets, mayonnaise jars with fancy cigarettes, celery disjockeying beets from a spin table made of sliced cucumbers. At most everything was drinking my beer. I didn't mind. I wasn't there for the beer. I just wanted my takeout. I grabbed the Kung Pao treasure with a caring grip and closed the door on the produce party. Holding it in my hands, I felt like dancing. I placed my meal into a frying pan and turned on the stove. I don't think I have ever been so excited for a meal. Every step felt like another move towards Nirvana. With the glory sizzling before me, A man walked into my kitchen, whose head was floating above his shoulders. There was no neck, and he was taking pictures with a very expensive-looking camera. He snapped a shot of me, took a look at it on the camera's display, gave it a smile, and then walked into my living room. I mixed the takeout so it heated evenly, sticking my finger into it here and there until it felt warm all the way through. When the scent was overwhelming, I decided it was time. I remember a tear had rolled down my face and into the crack of my lips. Gratitude unlike any the world has known. The toaster paused to watch the little salt drop journey down my cheek. I could tell it was moved. Toasty Japanese chatter carried on, and I filled a large bowl with my reheated heavenly goodness. Victory in hand, I headed to the den for a comfortable spot to eat. Passing the floating man taking photos of Dual Pete's intimate moment, I kept my pace constant. The stairs were about five minutes longer than usual, but I didn't let it phase me. In the den, Roz was sitting in front of her fish tank. She appeared to have aged eighty years since I saw her last. All of her fish looked like her. She didn't notice me, nor did her fish. The only thing that slowed me was sitting on the sofa the red woman. I wasn't surprised, wasn't nervous. Having a seat next to her, she seemed upset. We looked at each other for quite a long time before she finally spoke. It was as if this thought had bothered her for her entire life, and sitting next to me she was finally finding peace with it. She said, I don't know what I am. A blue tear left each of her eyes as she shared this with me. I offered her some of my Kung Pao. She gave me a warm smile and gently held my hand. I think I was falling in love with her, which made it quite alright when she started to eat me.
0: you have it. Seems our narrator was the takeout prize for this red woman. I can't help but wonder if there was a point to any of this. Seems we accept the mystery most when hungry. If you enjoyed this story, you'll be pleased to know there are many more coming in a colorful variety of forms and genres. Visit ourstorybegins.net for news and updates on the author's upcoming works, as well as links to paperback editions, ebook downloads, and audiobooks. Farewell, my tasty listener. It has been a pleasure. <laughs>